What's up everyone out there? Welcome to the Addicted Fishing Podcast and today is a super exciting day because we have Kevin Van Dam in our garage recording a podcast with us. I finally made it because I'm in Marlin's garage. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a staple in the Northwest. This is the pinnacle. Yes. It does itself. If you don't like it, No, this is my first time in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yes, it is? Yeah. Cool. When I flew in, I didn't even know if I, if I was going to be in Oregon or Washington or where we were even going to be. So, or well, that's freaking awesome. In an airport, it's the first time you've been here. Country. You know what? You guys have got me spinning around. I have no idea where we went today, and that's the way I like to keep it. Yep. Cool. That's good. That's so good. Don't have to lie to anybody, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that too. I like your thinking. You're a lot yes. like us. Just wait. Out of a wait till our drive tomorrow. <laughs> so we, it's funny because we have a thing we call it no river names. And in, in all of our content, we don't post river names. We don't post locations. We don't talk about anywhere where we're at. I'm, I'm the same way. And, and the only reason is is because like there's uh, where I fish for like smallmouth up up north in mm-hmm. northern Michigan and that there's there's a bajillion lakes. And it just would put way too much undue pressure on some of these lakes, you know. And yeah. they're all really good, so you just got to kind of go and figure it out on your own. That's the same thing. That's really yeah. cool. One, one other part of that with too, we believe, like it doesn't at least for our situation where the fish like show up and then disappear like the next day. Like so, we have a lot of like newer anglers and and people that follow our brand. You know, definitely definitely some of the entry level stuff. We've got our experienced guys too, but but just. Throwing reports out there one day, well, you know, yeah, salmon fishing that don't mean nothing yeah. for the next day. So we try to focus more on like the lifestyle, the stories, the techniques, the products, right. just everything kind of that encompasses that, and just stay away from the porning. Yeah, every day is different on the water, mm-hmm. and it's it's same smallmouth are the same way. They, you know, they're just following the bait, and uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, the salmon run is. I mean, it's totally different. I grew up doing it um, in Michigan. I fish used to fish a lot for salmon and steelhead when I was in high school and, and in college. And uh, it's just crazy how different it is in freshwater in the Great Lakes and how much the same it is at the same time, yeah. you know. It's just that you gotta read the water and know the exact timing of the season and the condi- you know, and the clarity. And it's, we don't have um, the, the fluctuations in the water flow like you have here. Right. You know, I, I tell that just from, talking today and you know you guys are well it's how much water's coming out of these dams in different places it's it's not like it's pretty much it's a lot more steady i mean we might get a big storm and get a influx here or there but for the most part it's 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 more even keeled and it's more about the time of the year and the length of light in the day not water temperature and then it gets spiked with the full moon and it's spiked with rain and, and bass fishing's the same way there's it's like a science that's far from exact, but it is a science. Would you say you still have a love for salmon steelhead fishing? Deep oh, I love it. Is it. You know what my favorite thing to do is is sight fishing. Yeah. I like visible fishing. Dude, and it too. doesn't matter if I am if I go tarpon fishing or bone fishing or I caught a permit. You know, the, the first permit I ever saw, I caught. Yeah, I mean, that's the first one I sight cat, the first cast I ever made at a permit, I caught the first one. I have to agree with any. There's a halo over any kind of style of sight fishing. Once yeah, I, can, I, I did a lot matter, of steelhead top, fishing. Bottom, anything, being able to visually interact with that fish and watch the as an angler, watch the way that they, they, you know, your technique affects their habit, and it's Marlon. The first thing I asked you when when I called was, "What's the water clarity?" Yep, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, first thing, yeah. Like, do you see them? Are you looking at them? You know, I mean, do you see, are you seeing fish or? 
It's, you can learn a lot too. That's what I love about yeah, it. You yeah. learn a lot from how fish react, just being able to see them and yeah. watch what they're doing. Well, they're different. You know, it's like you try to, so like I'm all day trying to apply what I like to do in bass fishing and thinking how it might work, but they're not the same. I mean, you know, they're in the river to spawn. They're not there to feed. Um, and, and it's the same, you know, when you go walleye fishing, they're, they're totally different. I mean, a largemouth is totally different than a smallmouth even. And then you go and walleye fish and try to apply what you know in bass to that, it's not the same. Or if you go tarpon fishing or red fishing, I mean, there's things that carry are over. Are similar, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're similar and it's it's a ton of fun. Redfish are probably the closest to bass uh, and it, they're a blast too. But, but today you did catch a co on a jerkbait. Yeah, and it won't be my last either. Yeah. You know, but but I also know. I mean, it didn't take me long to know that the water you're fishing, it's you got to have the bait in the right zone. I mean, I know how these salmon are. They're they're pretty much going to be the the ones that you want are going to be on the bottom. They're not just swimming around aimless and going to be biting baits. The ones that are doing that are, you know, close to. This being deceased, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. The black, the black swimmers. Yeah, the ones that, when they've been in the river forever, they're just swimming yeah. around aimless at the end, and and you're not going to catch those. But yeah, there's something to be said about catching a fish the way you want to as well. You know, and you can actually tune in that one stop. Well, hey, you know it works, but I think there's something you to guys be said know about because you've got to catch them every single time out, and you got to you got to read the water and know the conditions, and you know, I mean, I've caught a lot of them you know soaking bait too and and it's a super effective way but it's not near as much yeah. fun as feeling them that bite yeah. you know and then Hopefully certain baits are even that. better you know like to me you like you, you threw a spinner a lot today i love that that bite on a spinner is pretty awesome yeah jerk bait bite's pretty strong too though <laughs> i'm gonna have to, t tomorrow i would definitely want to do yeah. that i'm gonna definitely be trying we'll see, that. for our know. listeners listening to this today too we were able to take kevin on a river today that was much bigger than uh, some of the smaller ones, but tomorrow we're gonna get the opportunity to take them on some rafting. So there's been a lot of talk, you know, about applying some of this stuff, and we're, and we're watching him do it today. The and pressure wasn't on today. Yeah, it's on tomorrow. Right, but I mean, just watching him connect with that jerk. I mean, that fish had to, that fish had to move probably 10, 15 feet to even want to get that. And yeah, that other one. Oh, I run and chase it down. Yeah. We just watched him right by the boat, and just getting those getting those real aggressive reactions from that jerkbait it was pretty cool to watch. No, I, I can say I haven't yeah. seen that. It may not be the best bait, but there, there's going to be times when it's just like anything else. You got to have an open mind, and you and you put everything in your uh, repertoire to to catch them. I mean, you got to be you got to be versatile in any, anything that you do. I mean, what I do traveling around the country, bass fishing, you have to. You can't fish the way you want. You got to fish the, the way that the fish are set up. Sure. And you got to read the body of water and the time of the year and the seasonal pattern. And there's there's a lot to it for sure. So yeah. I have a question that you may not know. Or do you know how many bass tournaments you have won? I have no idea. I figured you didn't. I figured you didn't. But you it's know, a lot, right? There's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, you know, at the national level, uh, I probably have it on my website or something like that. But I don't. I don't keep. I'm, I don't do it for the. You know, you I don't just keep love score, fishing, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, that's how I got into it as a kid. Is I love fishing. My dad took me ice fishing when I was three, and I was I was that kid that just would. And I started trout fishing was and pond fishing was the two things that I did. I had two or three little trout streams that were within bicycle distance of my house. 
and you know I would just you know in the summer when I wasn't in school I'd just leave in the morning and be and my mom didn't think anything today I'd be scared to death to let my boys go do that you know to be like that but I was gone all day man had a had a creel you know around my neck with some extra hooks and we didn't you know we weren't too proud we'd be soaking night crawlers or throwing you know mep spinners or whatever yeah. it took to but i you know i learned real quick about being sneaky and staying in the shadows and we waited without waiters all day in those streams it's cold as heck you know mosquitoes didn't care just, that was my opportunity to fish absolutely so what at what point where was it like okay bass that's it like so my brother um started uh bass turn he's gotten a bass club started fishing these bass tournaments and that was like well tournaments you know and he took me practicing a few times and we went out and i'm all about you know, when you're a kid you're about catching mm -hmm. so we'd go out and we'd start catching them and he's like okay we gotta stop can't can't catch anymore we gotta move i'm like why why would we do that they're biting you know <laughs> it's like i gotta save them for the tournament you know or don't set the hook on them or or whatever and so that was like a novel experience and i fished my first tournament um with my brother when i was 14. and it's funny because it was a team tournament and he paid for everything he paid the entry fee paid for gas you know the whole the whole deal and we went and fished this uh fall tournament and it was pretty tough and i caught like all the fish we finished second and should have won but we finished second and we won like i don't know 300 bucks and i thought well man i caught all the fish i should get all the money yeah you know? right <laughs> and he's like, no 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 and he had to he had to actually get a couple of the other guys that fish that were there to, to explain to me that he wasn't trying to pull something over on me on, oh. the, on the wings. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's, does it's your brother still fish tournaments? And yeah, stuff? he does. So he owns a big sporting goods store in Kalamazoo, um, marine dealership, and you know we sell basically. And I mean, that's I grew up there. I started working there when I was 11 years old. It's called DNR Sports Center. That's really, super really cool. cool shop, you know. And where I live in Michigan, it's unique because there's. You know, there's 11,000 lakes in the state, plus the Great Lakes on three sides. So it's, you know, bass, walleye, muskie, trout, salmon, you know, everything. Bluegill, catfish, crappie, you know, sturgeon. I mean, you can literally fish for anything in fresh water. There's a lot like out here. So, and it's awesome because it, it doesn't put too much pressure on any one species. But um, it also, you know, gives you a lot of opportunity. So when I was younger, that's what I did, just follow the seasons, you know. I mean, the steelhead run in the spring, then the opener of trout season in the streams, then pike, se pike and walleye season, then it was bass season, and, you know, whatever, bluegill or crappie. I mean, I carp fished, fished from dogfish, just whatever. That's super cool. It's very similar out here. I mean, we basically, like... We're targeting coho when they come into the river, and then sh spring chinook, and summer chinook, and fall chinook, and summer steelhead, and winter steelhead, and we're just basically chasing the fish around the seasons. And then any little lapse in between, that's when we're chasing like walleye or bass or something else that's not a salmon or steelhead. Wouldn't you see? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean this day and age, but I'm not going to get down that. Well, yeah, we're not going down that road. Road. Not, This will not be this podcast, yeah. Yeah. But no, but this day and age, no. Yeah, definitely becoming a little more like I'll excel on the walleye side. I think kokanee. I mean, shoot, kokanee is a big one. So you got kokanee yeah. out there? No, 
No yeah. kokanee. No, no, so in some of the inland lakes, they they plant uh, splake, which is a lake trout cross, and then more lake trout. Fish. Uh, they also do um, Atlantic salmon in in a few places. Oh, really? Too. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. Splake. So what's that fish like? It's a it's a cross between a, a lake trout and I think a, bl a brook trout, I believe. Interesting. So <laughs> they get big? Uh, no, not not real big. I mean, not like a, a coho or a king. They oh, they look, look cool. They, they look yeah, really they, cool. They're like really red. We have a so so the lake trout have exploded uh, in the Great Lakes with the gobies because they're like they're like this. I don't think the salmon get down on the bottom and eat the gobies, mm -hmm. but the the lake trout and the browns do. So the browns have, you know, gobies are like protein pellets. Yeah. You know, for smallmouth, for and everything's eating them. You know, the perch, walleyes, everything else is eating them. But um, I don't know that the the kings and the cohos have figured it out yet. Interesting. But so when what, they do, I wonder. <coughs> what has, so what's the what's the deal with the gobies? Where they come from? Where are they? So it's an invasive species that came from, um, gosh, some overseas Europe mm -hmm. area. You know, in the ballast of a ship. That you know when they in the St. Lawrence yeah. Seaway. Um, just like just freaking else. blown up. Yeah, they just super prolific. They're small. They're they don't have any scales or fins, so they're soft, easy to you know, easy to, uh, for them to digest, and they're packed with protein. Oh, crazy. So. We have a similar. <coughs> what what's that shrimp that we have out here? That's that's. <coughs> I don't know, but just in the last few years, like the Columbia River got a got has this freshwater shrimp now, and like all the walleye and the smallies and everything are just like. Gorging themselves. Gorging themselves. They? They're like this big, probably oh, wow. like some of the bigger. But people, I mean, the guys that are kind of like with their little more paying attention to that stuff, they're saying like, if this thing keeps blowing up, I mean, these we'll call them non-native species because I mean the walleye and the smallies out here aren't. But now they've got like a substantial forage base, massive food source that seems to be just taking hold out here. Might change everything. Yeah, and you know, some of the guys at Wall I fish the Upper Columbia are saying it's like they're using baits and stuff now that are like those <laughs> replicate shrimp it, yeah, and yeah. just crushing them. Well, that's what you have to do anywhere, you know. I mean, what is non-native and what's real anymore, anyways? Mother Nature, just basically, you know, the the strongest species are the ones that are going to dominate, you yeah. know, which is the sad thing about these Asian carp and what they're doing in mm -hmm. the Mississippi system out there. It's it's not good for sure. No, but for sport fish, but you don't want to have so many cows in any pasture. You yep, know? that's crazy. So another question I kind of had that I was <laughs> curious about: if you had to pick smallmouth or largemouth? No, there's no question there. Smallmouth, smallmouth, all the way. Really? And they're why is that? Like, they're way more aggressive. They're way more aggressive. They're uh, very different. I just I grew up on them. I love them. Yeah. Um, Would you say? More aggressive as far as easier to get to bite, more yeah, entertaining. As, they are. I mean, they're like an ambitious angler that doesn't want to. They're the strike zone is you know they're just mean. Yeah, you know I mean they'll ch they'll chase a bait a long ways and they're easy to to get fired up. Yeah, uh, they can be. I mean, obviously any fish can be finicky, but so I I caught my first one. My dad took me on a trip to Northern Michigan when I was seven. He wouldn't let me go on this. Company. He took all the guys from his uh, construction company every year for like Memorial Weekend for a long weekend smallmouth fishing, and uh, 
he said, I, he took my brother first, you know, and I'm like, man, seeing the pitchers and chopping at the bit to go. And I finally got to go. The first one I caught was literally a legal smallmouth that was 10 inches at the time. And it was everything I could do. I mean, the way it pulled, jumped, and fought, it just made an impression on me. And I caught bass and caught a lot of other stuff, but I'm like, man, that sucker is, they're just mean. And, you know, I, all weekend I only caught three that first time I went. But uh, it just, I still remember that fish to this day, uh, <laughs> just how it was. So just This how might sound a strong. little DV too, but I think I enjoy the places that you find smallmouth more too. The the location on the planet, I mean, you know, you're <laughs> not fishing in 95 degrees. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. especially where you're from, puts you in some really beautiful places. Oh, it's, you know, northern Michigan, the Great Lakes as a whole, it's 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 real pretty i mean even this time of year i mean i was just fishing them last week and it's 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 pretty country of course this is out here too right i saw some videos this year on youtube from some some youtubers of some smallmouth areas that just looked insane i mean they're catching like every cast is like a six pounder like just giants like Canada. i'm just like where the hell are these guys at you know and obviously they didn't say but it was like incredible to me i didn't even realize that kind of fishing existed there's still a lot of, you know, the Great Lakes are so big and it's so rough that you just can't go every day, you know, and that, that's one of the things that, that makes it um, kind of unsusceptible to pressure be just because the mother nature doesn't allow you to even fish where they're at on a regular so basis. So there is real habitat. <laughs> oh, no yeah, doubt. exactly. No doubt. It's giant water. Yeah. I mean, giant, yeah. giant water. And you better... You better have a rig that's set up for it. I mean, just like, you know, having a, a boat set up to fish the rivers, you know, the jet engine and all, all, every, it, it's the same up there for the Great Lakes. It's a, it's a very unforgiving place that you have to have a lot of respect for. Yeah. So have you ever fished our, any of our small fisheries out here? I, I have not. I fished, you know, the only time that I get to fish is when there's a tournament or something, you know, so we've been to... You know California and that we haven't been to the Columbia River or anything. I've been to Lake Mead. You know I've been out west a handful of times, mm -hmm. but Havasu. You know I mean uh, been been to a lot of the places in California multiple times, but only the probably the most fabled ones. You know you just you don't get to see anything else. So when I'm flying in, I'm always I'm looking in that and I'm I'm like seeing all this grass and these sloughs off the Columbia River. And I'm like, there's got to be bass there. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you used to guide Columbia oh, yeah. smallmouth. I mean, yeah, shoot, years ago, I mean, doing smallmouth trips, you know, well, you know, we've got 13 dams on the Columbia, so it backs up, you know, yep. th that big water. And, and uh, you know, some of those areas in the spring, you know, May and June warm up a little sooner. There's obviously an ample food supply for them with, like, the I've small I've seen the videos, and in in, in, it's a dang place yeah. that's, pretty could be pretty unforgiving too it looks it's some of it's giant too oh it can get big one thing what's funny is we have a big east wind or west wind you can kind of move the opposite direction get on the other side of the wind tunnel yeah and uh you know, it's, you know drive 30 miles and you can kind of avoid it but you know but yeah you're right it can be you know get a little cross current with a little bad wind and you got six footers out there but shoot we, the joke is usually above those dams is if there's a rock there's a bass on it yeah i mean there's you know it's going out there to that spectrum i'd yeah. say going out there i mean in the spring you got to fish you know the little you know the four bays and you know backwaters and stuff and as it warms up but 
once that Columbia hits that magic like 58 degrees, like they're kind of out on the prowl the banks, then. and then it's just you literally. I, I can think, especially just built from I'd say Bonneville, 15 miles to Rooster Rock. You could literally probably just turn your motor off and run your trolling motor and catch a bass every 20 feet. Oh yeah, no, I'll just be dead honest. Like you know, I go when it's really good and i'd go with just like the right people birthday groups you know dads and kids stuff like that and i wouldn't be into like you know the small mouth tournaments or anything like that but i'd go up there and find 50 to 100 fish no problem <laughs> and find some really nice ones i mean for us a really nice one around here's three to four pounds um i mean like you said the state record i think was nine pounds or whatever yeah, the guys, there's guys that get the guys that that prey upon the big fish though they're finding you know sixes and sevens a lot but What's your biggest I mean, smallmouth? Um, the biggest one I've ever weighed was seven nine. You know, I mean, unfortunately, I've been out a handful of times and don't have a scale or oh, yeah. you know. And but I probably that's probably that one. I don't know. I've I've had a few caught with me by people I you know that I've taken on trips and stuff that you wonder. You, you wonder how big what is what is like the world record then on smallmouth eleven. Uh, yep, 11 no. change. <laughs> 11 Jeez, where was that? Damn. Do you know where that was called? Uh, yeah, that was in um, uh, Dale Hall in Tennessee. Oh, a good bit ago. But they're, it's going to change because um, global warming, the growth, you know, the, I mean, the growing season in my lifetime is a lot longer in the Great Lakes than it used to be. And the, and the growth rates, like in Lake St. Clair, it's a shallow fishery and it's, Kind of, it's not a great lake, but it's between you know um, Erie and and Lake Huron, mm -hmm. and it's just a fertile. I mean, it's it's kind of like what Venice is to you know saltwater. It's kind of the same thing. So Lake Huron dumps in it, goes through all these you know different channels, and Lake St. Clair's no deeper than twenty foot. It's just a whole huge feeding flat for everything, and. Uh, because it's there's musky in there too. Oh, right? unbelievable mus musky fish in there. Yeah, I hear Crazy. a lot about musky on that. River. Yeah, it, it it's well, everything. Walleye, perch, musky, smallmouth, uh, largemouth. I mean, there's there's unbelievable sturgeon population. You see them porpoising out there all the time. Not like the ones you have out here, but I mean those mega giants. But they're seven yeah. footers. You see, you know, you see them five to seven foot. Just I don't know why they do it, but they just free jump out there in the middle. Why do they do that, Cam? Well, they do they it all the time. Yeah, like take your boat out. Okay. Yeah. I, I've been uh -huh. just out there cranking and just just by. I mean, when you're in the, Lake St. Clair, is basically 20 miles across, and you just be cranking crankbait out there through the water column, and just happen to run it. And I mean, it's needle in a hay field type deal. <laughs> but you know, I've had it happen multiple times though when you hook up on them. I've never landed one, but you know, just follow hook up and they're not eating it. They've but. been eating these, these twitching jigs lately around here. Literally. No, that's no right. I have been a video. probably a dozen accounts in the last <laughs> month and a half. Where they run it down and straight up <laughs> eat it. Well, they're, you know, we always, we got a hatchery right down from my brother's shop and they always give us some little ones um, and let them keep them in our, we got a pretty big aquarium in there, we'll let them keep them in there. And we feed them like night crawlers or, you know, minnows or anything. And they'll eat a, they'll eat a, a like a stunned minnow or something like that. Not a d dead one, but I mean, they'll, they're not scared. I mean, so I'm sure they're stuck. Just like carp. 
for the most part, carp are not very aggressive predators, but boy, there's times when they'll really get on crayfish, and they, we catch them, like you can cast a tube jig over to them and snatch it in front of them, and they'll run over there and just smoke it, you know, thinking hmm. it's a crawfish, so. So, that's crazy. Kind of sidetracked, but along the same lines, for, for any kind of fish for you, uh, size or numbers, what do you like to chase more? Uh, you know what? <sighs> I like catching big ones as much as anybody does, and you know. But if you're fishing for yourself, if you're like, "This is my goal," I today. like to I like to pull the trigger too. You know, I yeah. like setting the hook on a bunch of them. You know, <laughs> so I, I kind of like both. I want to catch yeah, numbers of big ones. That's probably yeah, what I yeah. would say in, a perfect, in a perfect world. <laughs> yeah. So no, you chased yeah. a lot of other stuff besides bass, and have you found something that's like you're like, "Man, I'd love to just do this a lot more and catch this species uh, a lot more." You know, so I've got two boys that are. Um, they're 22, and they grew up around, I mean, they were born into bass fishing. Mm -hmm. And they, they loved to bass fish they, they were a lot, but they really like to do different things, too. So I've taken them, you know, everything from, uh, you know, tuna fishing, you know, which with light tackle, you know what I mean, uh, to tarpon, to shark fishing. We've caught goliath grouper. They've done a lot of sailfish. We did a sailfish trip earlier this year. Um, to northern pike, to, to walleye, mm -hmm. to salmon. They, they like doing, they just like different experiences. Just like why I was so excited to come out here because I've caught salmon plenty of times, but it's just somewhere It's new. just different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a new experience, new water, new things. Um, and I appreciate, one of the things I love to do is to go and experience fishing with people that are really good at what they do. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, a guide in Key West that's unbelievable at tarpon and, you know, sight fishing for them or an offshore guide to, uh, you know, somebody that's a great walleye fisherman or a fly, fly fishing for trout or whatever it is. But, you know, people that are good at what they do, really good at what they do and different, it's, you can learn from them. You, you learn know? a lot, yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's what's neat to me, you know, so to see how you guys do it um, here compared to what I've, you know, seen before, you know, shoot, I'll apply it to something yeah. in, in what I do. That's know. super cool that you say that, you know, because we just did a podcast all overnight, and he said the same thing. He's like, dude, I'm going, I'm leaving here. Like, I learned a lot from these guys from the salmon and steel world that I feel like I'll be able to apply to bass, you know. I, I, have, I have won a lot of money in bass tournaments from what I learned fishing trout and salmon in current, being able to read current, understand how fish relate to, a rock or an you know a current break to, to to read how current moves and flows and the seams and uh, that it, it's it's critical and learn how to feel a bait drifting along the bottom mm -hmm. and know that you know you got to have a drop shot weight that's exactly right to get the right you know so that it's drifting the same speed as the current if it's too slow it's not natural if it's too fast you you know you're not going to get you know it's just and you can't teach people that it's yeah. something you have to it's the intricacies of it you have to, to learn it you know i mean the pe people that are again experts at what they do you know you can be a good angler but it's going to take you a little bit to to figure all that out and you know to know what size line you got to have to you know currents especially 
different in that sense, you know, I mean, just to, to get that right, that right flow. I mean, walleye fishing in the St. Clair or the Detroit rivers, you learn about that. You know, we use real small diameter braid there, which before braid, you, it was, it was a crapshoot, you know, braid gives you so much sensitivity, but there's so much less drag on that super fine braid because you're fishing 30 to 40 feet straight down. And if you're not, you know, if you get a, the current gets a bow in that line, you just lose all your feel, even with braid. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's a science to, to learn that lift and drop and get just the right weight and, and to control your boat with your, with your trolling motor so that you're going the exact speed. Because the current down below may be a different speed than what it is up top in the wind direction. Just like today, you're like, man, this wind's, you know, when the wind's blowing opposite the current, it's blowing a bow in your line. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to. To read everything so you know i can totally agree with you I, I say it all the time probably my favorite thing and i fish and my preferred fishery is something of the size like we fish today and smaller so smaller tributaries and the main reason i say it every time i'm out there and i say it to myself and when people ask is i probably enjoy it the most because of the moving current it's it's ups that challenge it's not just getting the fish to bite but it's it's keying in your tactic to get them to bite, having the skill to land them, having the skill to run the equipment. They, I mean, it really, it's very intuitive and it's very fast paced. There's a lot know. more to it. Than, you yeah. know, like you get customers in the boat, that they just, they don't appreciate what, because they would if they went out and tried to duplicate it the next day, yeah. you know. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you totally. That's, that's one of my favorite things about fishing, moving water is the, the activity that you have the whole time that you're engaged. Cross currents at Bowie Ted, like you said, <laughs> the guys trying to figure out, like you said, talk about that up current, the undercurrent, and half the time I'm sitting back there trolling a boater in reverse and still have good line angle. The guys go out the next day and try to do it, and they just don't grasp it. Like there's a lot of intricacies to that oh, kind of stuff. Yeah, and <laughs> it's then, just, it's and then when you're on a seam too, and and you know, you I mean you, you know, making that cast five feet off the raft, and then making that cast eight feet off the raft of the difference between the how much it can change just the difference between the two yeah. and stuff you're right it's it's i guess it's, it's almost like poker it's easy to play hard to master yeah so that's the beauty of like crystal so like where i'm at up there in the great lakes we'll the st Clair and the detroit river they they usually get a little color but the st lawrence and that i mean they're crystal clear now so i mean you can like be looking and see and cast up here and know that you I mean you got to drift it right in front of the fish and you'll do it 10 times and your bait hits the same spot but the current moves it this way you know it yep. just it's it just takes time i mean just like you can pull up and sit in a spot and throw for 15 minutes what you're thinking is making the same cast but it's not i mean and the fish is that salmon sitting there like this and the bait goes by him six inches this way or six inches this way and then finally it, it goes <laughs> dead center in his nose and they they trigger that's know? so true and we talk about that a lot too just with boat positioning and stuff you know cam is all these guys are always talking about like you can go up to a hole and you may fish it at this angle but you're not getting to the fish unless you go and fish it at this angle mm -hmm. you know and approach it at a completely different angle and so i think a lot of people don't grasp that and then the wind changes the direction and it changes exactly yeah then you wake up the next morning no, so there's, there's, foot, foot what i'm saying is is you know, I understand, and you guys do. When you when you're out there every day, there's no substitute for for time on the water, for experience. Um, you can learn a lot from a lot of different things. There's there's so much more information out there now. I mean, our electronics are better than they've ever been. I mean, just like we were talking about that, oh, yeah. this, the mega imaging, side imaging, down imaging is crazy. 
and the Lake Master mapping for the, you know, you can have great detail for the bottom contours and things like that. But in the end, you still got to know what to throw, where to throw it, and how to how to fish it on any, any given day. And and that's what there's no substitute for. It's it's so funny you say that time on the water thing because whenever we do any of our, like our seminars that we do out here, a lot of our videos mention that key point too because like I said, it's perspective or perception, excuse yeah, well, me, not everybody of every angle. And even though you might digest the same information, how you apply it and how what you do out there, there, there's, I mean, that's the reason why like a guy can go to a seminar and explain and talk about salmon fishing, but still knows he's still going to have an edge yeah. on a lot of those guys. It's the time on the water. No yeah, question. There, there's no doubt. I mean, you can shorten the learning curve for sure. I mean, because you can, you can read about it. You can learn about new techniques and, and things like that, but you still have to go out and apply it. Absolutely. So as we kind of wrap this podcast up, for one, we appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. It's, it's, we're excited to have you. The second thing is, is what's next? Like, what's next for you? Ah, like, what do you think? Like, <laughs> you know, are you going to keep kind of rocking the tournament trail for years to come? Or you know, what, what I've do you think? Doing it for thirty years, and I, I love it. I, I, you know, the the greatest part about it is the worst part about it is is you know traveling to get to fish the best and worst bodies of water in the country. You know, depending yeah. on when you, how you hit them, yeah. you know, how that can be. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't get to fish all the places that I've been. You know, like I'm, you know, I'm real soon, I'm going to El Salto for a trip. And I've been to all over, uh, you know, from California to Florida to Michigan to the Potomac River. And you just, I would have never got those experiences if I didn't fish the tournaments because you're forced to. You got to go and catch them, whatever, if it's spring, summer, fall, winter, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, storms and bright cold fronts or whatever it is, you got to fish uh, and catch them under those conditions. And uh, so I love that part of it, but it also is, it's a grind, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, live in Michigan and drive to uh, South Texas, 20 hours, go to Okeechobee, 26 hours, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's a challenge, you know, when you got kids and family and that it, it's hard I've, I've done it a long time but if you don't love it you're not going to be successful at it mm -hmm. i mean you have yeah. to love it at any level if you're going to make a living fishing whether you're guiding uh, you know trying to be a, a, a bass fisherman a walleye fisherman whatever it is you better you better be have a passion for it because it takes 120 percent Absolutely. I've always said I feel like some of the people who do it, you're born to do it. Yeah. You can no, work and try to do exactly. things, but you, you were... can't. You can't learn that passion. No. You're instilled with it, and that's super. But the cool. sad part is, is you know, like some people. Ha I wish everybody could experience it. You know, but uh, it's it's fun, and but it. It's well, I think no that's where you probably things, find you know? your love in teaching too, is because yeah. everybody deserve does deserve. That. To enjoy it at least, you know. I mean, some, a PGA Tour golfer—it's the same way. I've got, you know, I've got a bunch of buddies. I've got friends that play in the NFL and Major League Baseball and hockey and race car drivers. Or they, you, if any venue out there, you have to love it. That's you, their passion. You're a, a, mm -hmm. An entertainer. I know a bunch of country music guys, rock stars, and they—they they love what they do. You know, because if you don't. If it gets to be a grind, you're not gonna you're not gonna be better than the next guy. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, we appreciate you coming in, everyone out there watching. If you're on YouTube, thank, thank you, you so much for tuning in. If you're on 
Podbean or all of our podcast platforms. Don't forget, leave us a review. We'll put a bunch of links in the description to all of Kevin's different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It sounds like he's got all of them. You so don't want to follow the shows along, we got coming either. We have some epic stuff coming on YouTube, so make sure you tap that subscribe button. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys on the river. Later, boys. Let's go bass snatching salmon style.